Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Well, you asked the question. And I want to say thank you for such an easy question. Why do bad things happen? Especially to good people. That question has caused many to proclaim themselves to be an atheist. Because, you know, the Bible teaches this kind, loving, compassionate God, and that's the God of the Bible, but I don't see it here. And so they can conclude that the Bible obviously is not true either. So you have two options. They say either God is, you know, all good and and not all powerful, or he's all powerful and just not all good. And and to them, the, the two cannot go together. And so when they ask us, explain to me how a good God can allow bad things out. You know what we do? We kind of back up. And we're like, oh, that's a good question. Ever been in one of those seasons that your life is falling apart and you just can't figure out why? You know, you've been behaving. You've been doing all the right things. You're trying to live the way God wants you to live. You're obeying what the Lord wants you to do. You're reading your Bible. You're doing what the Bible says. You're praying. And then out of nowhere, boom, something happens. A storm, a struggle. In the Bible, there's, there's a collection of books. It's often referred to as wisdom literature. It's the books of wisdom. Job, Psalms. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And when you read through the book of Proverbs, you will learn that God is a very wise and just God. We learn that God has order in, in this world and, and the just are rewarded and the, you know, the wicked are punished. And in our mind, that kind of makes sense. You, you get what you deserve. But then you flip over one page after you read through the book of Proverbs and you come to the book of Ecclesiastes. And when you read that book, you discover not everyone gets what they deserve. The author author says the world is very unpredictable. It's not always fair. It's hard to comprehend then. Is God just and, and wise? And then you go to the book of Job. And then everything throws you for a loop. I mean, Job is this righteous man experiencing incredible blessings of God, and boom, things change. And I mean, when they change, they change drastically. He loses everything that he's worked for his entire life. I mean, he stands by the grave of ten, all ten of his children. And then Job uh, everything that he put, you know, had worked so hard for all of his wealth, gone, stripped away from him. And then if that wasn't bad enough, his health is taken from him, and he's covered in boils. And then <laughs> friends show up, and they point their finger at Job. Job, there's obviously some sin in your life, because we know God is a just God, and he's wise, and he rewards the just. So Job, obviously there's something in your life That's causing God to respond to this. Just repent of your sin, Job. Maybe God will be good enough to give you that life back again. That's what they kept accusing him of because they, in their minds, knew that 
God has order to his world. It's justness and fairness. So something you've done has offended God. Yet when you read at the beginning of the book of Job, it says there was no man that walked the earth that honored God more than Job. In fact, God is bragging on Job for his faithfulness. It's this story that we ask the question, is God fair? Is God just? And so this morning, uh, together, uh, I want us to be able to to be able to navigate those times when there simply is no explanation of what God is doing, when there's no answers that can be found that will truly satisfy our desire to know the answer to the question, why? There's a promise that was given to God's people that were going through a real bad time. And they were being good. This is the promise of God. I, I want to read it to you, and we'll come back and visit it. It's found in Isaiah 33, 6. It says, He will be a sure foundation. Who? God. Will be a sure foundation for your times. A rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. This promise was given to a, a good man who was going through a bad time. His name is Hezekiah. And he was the king of Israel, well, the southern part of Israel, the king of Judah. And he's a man that's doing all the right things, all the right way. And he finds himself surrounded by his enemy. And he becomes king when he's 25 years old. Just imagine the, the weight of responsibility as a 25-year-old to lead his nation. And in his very first year of being king, he, he brought the nation back. There was like a revival. They brought them back to God. He tore down all the idols and false god. In fact, the Bible says he led a celebration during Passover that was so extravagant, nothing had been seen like it for 250 years. In 2 Kings chapter 18, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following. He, he kept his commands that the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him, and he was successful in whatever he undertook. We learn a little bit more, actually, about Hezekiah in the book of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 32, verse 1, it says, After all that Hezekiah had so faithfully done, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah. And he laid siege to the fortified cities, thinking to conquer them for himself. Now, often in the Bible, when, when God's people would, would disobey, God would allow their enemies to rise up and, and take them over with the idea that it would turn their hearts back towards God. But that's not this case. This is completely different because they were already worshiping the Lord. They were already following him. They were already lifting his name up. They were already doing all the right things. They hadn't done anything to deserve this. But the Assyrians have surrounded them. Jerusalem was under siege and they were vastly outnumbered and there was no hope. Everything that Hezekiah and the people had worked for was on the verge of being crushed. They were on the verge of losing it all, having it all stripped away from them. Let me say it again. And they hadn't done anything wrong. 
and they were preparing to be slaughtered. Hezekiah tried to assure the people of God that God would take care of them. But at the same time that Hezekiah is trying to tell the people, messages are being sent to the people of Judah, and messages and letters are also being sent to Hezekiah. And we actually have a record of the letter that was sent to the people. So why Hezekiah is trying to encourage them, no, no, God will be faithful, God's going to look after us. But when they looked out there, it just looked desperate. And then these letters, these messages start coming to the people. It's recorded for us in 2 Kings chapter 18. This is what the king of Assyria says. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord when he says, the Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me. Come out to me. Then each of you will eat fruit for your own vine and fig tree and drink water from your own cistern until I come and, and take you to a land like your own, a land of grain, a new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey. Choose life, not death. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for he is misleading you when he says the Lord will deliver us. Does that sound familiar? Sounds like the devil to me. Don't listen to that Bible stuff. That was for another generation. We're beyond that now. Come follow me and I'll give you the life that you've always wanted, the life that you, you desire to experience, the, the good life. Come and experience freedom. Experience the life that you've always wanted if you do it just my way. Don't listen to those preachers, those old Christians, those older Christians. Now remember, this is not God punishing his people. But it certainly doesn't feel like God's rewarding their faithfulness. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 says, These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. Who is them? God's people. These things happen to God's people as an example. What are these things? These are the events that we're just reading and talking about. You know, these things, these events happen to God's people for an example. Sometimes, not all, but sometimes things happen in our life so we, can, so we can know more about God. Now, sometimes things happen in our life so we can learn more about ourselves. Sometimes things like this happen because God wants to show to the world who he is. And sometimes these things happen and we have no idea why. It doesn't make sense. To us. For just a minute, I, I want to look at that one area about when things happen in our life and, and God's going to use it, use you to show the world who He is. In 2 Kings chapter 19, it says, 
Hezekiah received the letter. What's the letter? The bad news, all the bad news, the messages that are being sent to all of his people. Right? Don't believe Hezekiah. He says, Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. All the bad news, he spread it out before him. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubims, you alone are God are over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words of Sennacherib. The words that have been sent to ridicule the living God. I mean, it's true, Lord. The Assyrian kings, their kings have, have laid waste to, their, to the nations and to the lands. They have thrown their gods into fire and destroyed them. For, their, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hand. Now, Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand. So that all the kingdoms of the earth will know that you alone our Lord, our God. The first thing I notice here that Hezekiah does, he, he begins to pray. Long before he tries to put a plan together, he, he, he begins to pray. And let me say, prayer is not bringing God to his senses. Lord, I just want to draw this down. See what's happening here? Like, come on. No. Prayer is not bringing God to his senses. Prayer is bringing us. Now listen to this. It's bringing us to our senses and saying, God, what is the plan that you have blessed? That's what I want to do. Sennacherib says that there's no other gods who can stand up against me. Hezekiah says, I, Lord, I, I, I need your deliverance. And I don't want it for my own fame. I don't want it so the people can be happy. I want it so all the nations of the world will know who you are. So here's a, here's a national crisis. Uh, Hezekiah is fearful. He's, he's full of despair. He's dreading what it looks like out there. It's too much for one man to handle. In this situation, God actually sends a man named Isaiah, who is the nation's prophet. God sends the nation's spiritual leader to talk to the nation's political leader. And this is what he says to Hezekiah. We read it earlier. He, who, God, will be a sure foundation for your times. A rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. God is saying in this Isaiah passage, I know what you're going through. I know how you feel, but you do not need to be fearful. I have heard your prayer. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you feel a little bit like the Israelites. You're considering just giving up considering just just kind of giving in maybe compromising right for wrong this is when your faith is tested this is when your character is tested this is when your integrity is tested 
when what's happening all around you doesn't make sense. Hezekiah needed knowledge. He needed deliverance. He, he needed wisdom. He needed salvation. And maybe that's you this morning. This is the promise that you and I can hold on to. That He, God, will be a sure foundation in these times, those times when life does not make sense anymore. And that He will be a rich storehouse of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. And the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Now, salvation is actually... In the Bible, when you read about it, it's, it, it's, it's even broader than just having your sins forgiven. Salvation can be those times when you feel so closed in that you can hardly breathe. Salvation is when oh, God gives you some room to breathe. Salvation can be when it seems like scarcity is all around you, but then God gives you sufficiency. Salvation is when there can be freedom even in the middle of distress. And the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. And when this says the fear of the Lord, it doesn't mean, oh, I'm scared. I, 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 I'm, I'm scared of you, God. No. That is not what it means. Proverbs 9 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So what is this fear of the Lord that he's talking about? That's the key to this treasure. This fear is it's a reverence. It's an awe that leads to obedience. See, when you fear the Lord, you have nothing else to fear. God is your foundation and a rich storehouse of wisdom and knowledge. Isaiah or Hezekiah is praying. Then God sends that night, that night, all the bad news is spread out before him. He's praying to God. That night, God sends a man to Hezekiah, a man named Isaiah. And God gives Hezekiah the promise that God had spoken I will be a sure foundation in these times. When you are surrounded by your enemy and life is overwhelming and you have lost all hope, it's in those times, I will be a sure foundation. Also, that very night, God sent an angel that visited the Assyrian army that laid siege to the city of Jerusalem. When they woke up the next morning, 185,000 Assyrian soldiers were dead. Sennacherib, he escaped, and he ran back home to his city. This is how the story ends. His two sons assassinated their own father. And that's how the dominant world leader, the Dominant Assyrian Empire begins to crumble. You 
us. We have a choice. When everything comes down around us, we have a choice. We can say, I'm, I'm not going to compromise. I am, I'm, I'm going to fear the Lord and I'm going to worship Him. Or you can rely on yourself. You can face your enemy on your own. It's, it's a choice that you make. In your time of fear, I'm saying, worship Him. In your times of stress, worship him. In your, in your times of doubt, worship him. In your times of confusion, worship him. The fear of the Lord is worshiping him in the middle of the crises. The fear of the Lord is when you lift up your voice and you don't understand anything that's happening around you and nothing makes sense. When you're in the middle of the mess. And the thing is, you don't just get a sure foundation, you get Him. You don't just get salvation, you get Him. You don't just get wisdom, you get Him. You don't just get knowledge, you get Him. So take a moment and talk to God. Tell Him what's, what's on your mind. Let Him know, God, I'm frustrated right now. I don't understand any of this. Like, just let them know what you're dealing with. Just let them know, Lord, it's too much. But even though it seems so overwhelming, God, I'm, I'm going to worship you, even though I don't understand what's happening all around me. I'm going to worship you, even though nothing is making sense to me. God, I'm going to worship you, even though seems like what's happening to me seems so unfair. I've done the right things. I'm living right. I'm reading your word. I'm praying. And I'm doing what you want me to do. But despite that, it seems like my world is falling apart, but I'm still going to trust you. And I am not going to lean on my own understanding. Let him know that. Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com. There's nobody.